Welcome, everyone, to this edition of Turnbuckle Trash. Hi, I'm Dave Dedden. Joining us today, we'll be joined by Chris Evans as we talk about some of the things going on in the world of professional wrestling today. Then we have a special treat for you because a former co-host of Turnbuckle Trash, Ajay Salveson, will join us. We'll talk about some college basketball and how it ties into the world of professional wrestling. And we'll talk about a former guest, of Turnbuckle Trash, Utah State Aggie basketball coach Craig Smith. We'll have that all coming up. But first off, we want to recognize the death of two uh, former professional wrestlers that have passed away in the last couple of weeks. The very first intercontinental champion, Pat Patterson. Pat Patterson died on December the 2nd, complications of cancer. Uh, Patterson won the very first intercontinental belt in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro. He also had a big stint recently as Vince McMahon's stooge along with Gerald Briscoe. And then within the last year, Patterson became the oldest person to ever win a title in the WWE history when he won the 24-7 championship at the age of 78. Also passing away was actor and sometimes professional wrestler uh, Tommy Lister Jr., also known as uh, Tiny Lister. Uh, He also was in movies. He played the bully Debo in the films Friday and the 2000 sequel uh, of the Friday films. And he also was in The Fifth Element. And I remember him best in the Batman movie, The Dark Knight. Now, Tiny Lister also had two short professional wrestling stints with Hulk Hogan after uh, starring in the movie No Holds Barred as the character Zeus. He also came in WCW as Z Gangsta in 1996. Tiny Lister died of complications of the coronavirus. And now, to salute those two great people and our condolences to their friends and family, here are the Ten Bells. Once again, thank you for tuning in today to this edition of Turnbuckle Trash. Turnbuckle Trash is growing. Now, Turnbuckle Trash can be heard on Apple Podcast, Breaker, CastBox, Google Podcast, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Spotify, and TuneIn. This is TurnbuckleTrash.net. Pro wrestling from a fan's perspective. I love video games and pro wrestling. With three fans who know how to talk some trash. None of these cross-eyed mouth breathers deserve to hear this voice. I guess it's time to take out the trash. Hi, everyone. It's another edition of Turnbuckle Trash. And remember, Turnbuckle Trash is now found on most uh, of the podcast 
uh, networks that are out there. So look up Turnbuckle Trash and you can find us. And we do appreciate everyone that's spreading the word uh, since we joined the Anchor Podcast Network. We're really getting a lot of people listening uh, to our podcast. So we do appreciate anyone and everyone out there. And uh, you feel free to join us anytime on Facebook. Joining us in North Carolina right now, it is the original trash head himself, James Christopher Evans. Hi, Chris. Uh, we're going to uh, Orange Cassidy Anonymous here very shortly. As soon as we can. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the States. The wind is blowing and the sun is shining. And now it's time to talk professional wrestling. Yes, it is professional wrestling. As you brought up uh, AEW first when you talked about Orange Cassidy. I want to bring this right out at first. Uh, I'm going to ask you the question. What about this uh, partnership of sorts with Impact Wrestling, uh, Anthem Sports, and also Mm. with AEW, Tony Khan and the guys, that with Kenny Omega now the champion at AEW, and now he's going to appear at Impact. What do you think about that, Chris? Well, I think that some of us need to have a pat on the back because I think two of us that are on this uh, podcast right now called it perfectly. It's going to be great. I hope that Impact is going to do well and AEW will do well. But my question is, can it work? And will it work? Um, will, the egos, will egos get in the way? That's the one so, thing. When you yeah, talk about ownership, you know, if they don't have mm-hmm. a clear set goal between the two ownership groups, and these are number two and number three, basically, in professional wrestling right now. If they don't have clear set goals and what each one is going to bring to the table, then they might have some problems. But if they can work it out, and I don't see them doing a, you know, a partnership and it being all the time. I could see them doing one or two pay-per-views or one or two special events and sharing talent a little bit. And I I think that's fantastic because that's a lot like the old uh, territory days used to do, sharing some talent. I, I really didn't see it coming this fast, but, you know, I'm happy that they're doing the cross-promotion. AEW is going to try to help Impact, which Impact is the lowest of the low right now. And like Jim Cornette said, it's going to be just sit back and let's see which one uh, – <laughs> I, I, let me put it this way. Let's see which one screws the pooch. <laughs> but that's what he said. Sorry about that. I know it's a family show. Let's see which one does this. Oh, we're just talking doggies. Uh, yeah, but... <laughs> that's all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, and that could happen, I mean, uh, to be honest with you. But if they, if they both go into it with an open mind and then they don't try to overdo it, that's where – I think things get into problems is when promotions, they continue. I mean, you've got two ownership groups, and they're going to butt heads at one time or another. But if they can just do maybe once or twice a year, do something, uh, maybe have the Impact Champion come in for a special, uh, uh, you know, a little feud for a little while. Uh, And then the AEW Champion doing the same thing. I think it could be fun. I I think it could be something – and then if you're talking about just one event, you know, maybe once a year, that has been done quite often with WrestleFest. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago when they did the in New Orleans, and I think it was the MK Bandit that went down to that one. 
And uh, they uh-huh. had uh, Impact was going up against Lucha Underground. And then mm-hmm. ROH was, I think, uh, they were involved with someone else. And they did cross-promotion shows together there. It gets people talking. That's the big thing. And anytime you can get publicity like they've gotten from this event, that's a good thing, brother. Yes, it is a good thing. I'm liking it. I mean, hopefully there's another organization. If I can put out some letters, NWA can get you know into the mix of it, which would be nice. And uh, congratulations to the NWA. You're back on YouTube now. Yeah, and, and don't uh, be surprised if that doesn't happen. We've already seen it a little bit. In the women's division with AEW, yes, with Thunder Rosa yes, coming perfect. in, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, hey, that there's nothing wrong with that at all. If they can help no. each other out, you know, face it, Chris, they're never going to beat uh, WWE. I mean, that's no, just not no, going to happen. There's, it's not going to happen. No, but but then you have uh, you have the WWE saying, well, we're we're open, we're, we're going to open our doors and let other cross promotions. So yeah, like, uh, like Zane, I right. love what Zane has put. I love what Zane put. Does that mean NXT is a cross promotion? <laughs> well, you is know, that your cross promotion. Go b- ahead. Before Vince and Titan Sports bought Evolve Wrestling uh-huh. this past year, yeah. they did do an event with Evolve Wrestling, and oh, okay. uh, they showed on uh, they showed some Evolve Wrestling on the network. And this, I, it probably was during the negotiation period, to be honest with you. But uh-huh. you know, if if the WWE wants to cross promote with somebody, if they can do it, hey, more power to them. I remember I the so. NWA and the WWWF uh, doing that. I think it was Bruno San Martino, maybe against Harley Race or, or uh, Ric Flair in Madison Square <laughs> Garden one time. And oh yeah, it's only good for the industry. If you can get people talking about it, if you can get more and more people uh, getting their ears and eyes on it, uh, I, you know, it's 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 fun, man. I love it. I think they're doing a great job with uh, AEW and Impact now that they're doing this, and people are starting to go, "Oh, what's going to happen on Impact?" Well, let's see how many of the thousands or maybe hundreds of people that watch Impact are the tens, the, the yeah, tens and tens of people. No, they they yeah, do have the a decent audience. Tens. They do have a well, decent I mean, audience, yeah. Let's see if it brings in more viewers and see what's going to happen. That's what they're trying to do. Yeah. But, yeah, no one's ever going to beat the Giant. No one's ever going to beat Vince McMahon. There's no way. But. No. Uh-huh. But that piece of the pie can get bigger and bigger it can. and bigger and shrink a yeah. little bit uh, over at Titan Sports. Now, we, we complain a lot about Vince McMahon and the WWE and mm-hmm. I thought maybe in this segment, Chris, we would uh, kind of go over some of the things that I see are positive with the WWE and a, a one big, huge negative that just drives me up. Of, oh, man, I just want to throw I want to throw something at the TV when I see this. But first of all, let's talk about some of the positives that have happened in the last little bit with the WWE. If I ask you, Chris. What do you like what's going on with SmackDown and Raw right now? Well, SmackDown's got the best storylines right now. Raw really doesn't have not got the three hours and get rid of it. I mean, good grief. But SmackDown's got the better storylines from what I can tell. Uh, Raw, eh, I like The Fiend and Randy Orton's work right now. Right, it's good. It's some of the best work I have seen. I like it. 
Yeah, the bad, uh, three hours. Three hours. Uh, too much talking on three hours, too much talking on Raw, not enough wrestling, too many promos, um, and the matches are just blah, and that Thunderdome would make anybody start drinking. So, I, you know, no. we, we've talked about the Good. Thunderdome, and yeah. I, I don't know how, how they're – I haven't seen any awards going out because they introduced it. The award-winning uh, Thunderdome. <laughs> well, what, what kind award? of award? Yeah. The Vince McMahon Award from Titan Sports to Thunderdome. Yeah, okay. But, but yeah, I, you know, I'm agreeing with you with The Fiend and Randy Orton and Alexa Bliss. I was just watching Monday Night Raw just a few minutes ago, and uh, I haven't finished it for Monday because we're recording this on a Tuesday. But they, they did the whole segment with Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt, and it was right at the beginning of the show after the Pat Patterson tribute. And they, you know, it was fun. It was well done. I liked it. And then they started doing their highlight packages. This is what happened last week. Now this happened last week. And now this happened last week. And this has happened four weeks ago. You know, they need to shorten that kind of stuff up. Then shorten up their their 15 to 20 minute segment at the top of the show and get into some action. Now, you know, I like I said, I'm just going to say I love the Bray Wyatt Randy Orton segment, but it was a little long. Uh, I yes, I couldn't tell you where to cut it, but I'm going to take you down to SmackDown, okay? Okay. Now this past Friday night, uh, SmackDown on Fox TV, they started off with the Pat Patterson tribute. Fine. Mm-hmm. Inside the show, they had a six man tag with all yep. former Intercontinental champions, and it was a tribute. To Pat Patterson. To Pat Patterson. Mm-hmm. It was fun. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah. But a two-hour show. Get this. Now, you think about this, Chris. Two okay. hours of what's supposed uh-huh. to be professional wrestling. They had mm-hmm. four matches. That was it. Mm-hmm. In two hours. It's ridiculous. And then it came That's, out once again yeah. that Vince showed up at the last minute. And started tearing things up and rewriting the script when everybody was there waiting for him. What? I hate to keep uh, on yeah. saying, to Vince, you know, you need to just lighten up and let your people do their jobs or just take it over all together. Him just coming in and saying, no, I don't want this, blah, blah, blah. That, that's well, got to stop. I mean, the business is changing and he's got to change with it. Well, that's the problem. He won't do it. I that's mean, right. if it doesn't, if it doesn't pass Vince's hands, it's not going to do anything. And if Vince doesn't okay it, it's uh, how, how did Jim Cornette put it? He'd be, uh, you're only thinking about what you can possibly do without his permission. Um, that's you know, the problem. Huh? Yeah. I, I'm going to say that's, that's probably right. You can only think about it, but you got to have permission to do it. And if you don't have the permission, you might as well just go ahead and forget about it because it's not going to happen. Without Vince's approval, you're not going to get to do what you want to do. Right. Vince, it's time for you to retire. He's, or, what, 80-something years old? I'm not really sure. He's starting to show his age, though, I'll tell you that. Oh, he's showing – he looks awful. Yeah. I mean, he he looks awful, but – the man hardly ever sleeps. He's always a workaholic. Um, and that that's good and bad as far as when he was younger and, and he was uh-huh. you know taking over the business, 
Uh, he was brilliant. And then he's done some absolutely brilliant stuff. I'll give him credit uh, throughout, yep. uh, you know, all the time for what he has done for professional wrestling. But I see yeah. now that when I, I hear these stories and I read these stories and read the books by uh, Jim Ross and Vince Russo and then hear stuff from Jimmy Cornette talking about how he would just tear up a script at the last minute and put all this stuff together, that kind of thing to me makes it more dangerous for the performers because they don't have time to really plan what they're going to do before they get out into the ring. Now, I know they call a lot of spots. You know, if they're really professional, they can call a good match inside the ring. Mm -hmm. But if you're there early, and I'm just going from my experience, and it's not in professional wrestling, but it's my experience in just life. If I can plan something out just a little bit, it goes smoother. It goes better. If I just go willy-nilly, then it's just not going to happen. So that that's my problem with what's what's going on with the uh, WWE but you were right the storyline with Roman Reigns uh and uh and Jay Uso and the Tribal Chief and now getting Kevin Owens involved with it wow i like it oh like it. man it's it's, it's, good, it's really it, good it's good it's good storytelling you can you can see in Roman's eyes he's he, he he's a changed person. You can tell he is, and he, it's good. And when Jay Uso is his body language is he he doesn't want to do what he's he's got to do, but you know eventually Jay's going to get tired of it. And he's going to turn on Roman eventually, and then can we see a new Universal Champion in Jay Uso? No, 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 not not going to happen. No, not they'll they'll happen. have to be. They'll uh, eventually there'll be some conclusion to it. Uh, yeah. But I, I do see that uh, Jimmy Uso is getting ready to come back. Is he going to be? Is he going to be immediately part of uh, the the bloodline of the you know the mm. tribal chief and uh, you know? And I hope so. I hope so. I love the Usos as heels, and then they could oh, battle like, again yeah. as you know they could go up again as the uh, the tag team champions against uh, the Street Profits or whoever it is at the time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. And then they. You know, there's other uh, of that family that are out in the professional world, professional world right now. Would they bring them in and just have a, I think a, they would. a, a big faction? I, I like I think it. they would. Yeah. I like it, too. I think they would. And it would be great to have the bloodline come through the WWE and, and let it all just pour into it. But uh, besides the WWE, we'll probably break away from that. Let me ask you a question. Did you uh, like Winter is Coming? Oh yeah, I I you know, I like <laughs> AEW. I really do. I mean, it's not perfect. I mean, they they stub no. their toes every once in a while, but I I like what they're trying to do over there. They're trying to develop younger talent, and you you know you get on Facebook and you hear all mm-hmm. these people. Oh, they're just signing old WWE guys. Well, fine, but look, you know how they're they're pushing a uh, Hangman Page, and then. They've yes, got these Darby. great young teams, you know, Darby Allen, mm-hmm. great young yeah. uh, teams that are coming in. And then the addition of the man they call Sting. Wow. I And whether he's a, a performer in the ring or not, I still think that's a great move. Within 24 hours, his, his shirt already sold out. <laughs> yes. 24, 40, 
24 hours, this shirt sold out in AEW. And I'm sorry, I, I like Sting. Don't get me wrong. I liked it. I knew it was going to happen eventually. But what was the purpose of him going to the ring, going to Cody, and all? And I thought he was going to turn on Arn Anderson. I really did. I thought he was going to do it. But then when he went to Darby Allen, I thought it was so funny. On a Facebook page, it says, Dad, why are you crying so hard? Because it's got Darby Allen and Sting face-to-face. Uh, -face. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? Well, I could see him as a, a little stinger. I mean, I could see it. Yeah, so, you know, and what is his role? And it's not been defined as of yet. Can he no, still go? Can he still go in the ring? Probably no. not as much as he used to. But I was surprised to see Arn Anderson then taking bumps. You know, well, he, he, got in, he got yeah, into, he got cleared. Yeah, he got cleared. Yeah. Wow. He got cleared. Wow. That's... He got cleared to take small bumps like Ric Flair did. Yeah. But uh, I don't know about Sting. I mean, all he can do is go to the ring and, and hold a bat. Well, you don't know that yet. Now you don't we don't don't, don't say that. We don't know what his role is going to be, and is yeah. he going to be a mentor for Darby Allen? Is he going to be someone in there that's going to feud uh, with someone like Cody, or maybe uh, you know we don't know what his role yeah. will be yet. I would love to no, see him, uh, you know, in a limited action in the ring. And not get injured like he did when he was in the WrestleMania with Seth Rollins. Will he be like a wrestling czar for all elite? I mean, will he be like a a, a commissioner? I don't care what Sting does. He's hot. <laughs> <laughs> and the ladies have talked. <laughs> and the ladies have put their foot down right there, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, that, <laughs> that's my lovely Sting wife. An Orange Cassidy fan. <laughs> the freshly squeezed has finally put her foot down and said Sting is hot. At how old is Sting? Seven, six, sixty. He's not even my age, dude. No, I'm older than 60s. him. He's in, no, he's in the sixties. Oh, come on! I'm no, gonna look this up. In, yes, he's in. The I 60s. think he's in his late fifties. All right, and okay. the survey says. <laughs> He's in his 60s. I think he is. He's oh, okay. 60s. I'm just going to look this up here. I got my computer out because I'm like All right. techie. And the actual retail price is? No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see. Here. Hit, hit enter. How old okay. is Sting? Uh, Sting? Sting the musician. Sting the wrestler. No. Well, the wrestler. Uh-huh. I'm typed slow, man. I know it's all right. Okay. You were right. He's 61 nope. years old. He is? 61. 61. He's 61. But he's still not as old as I am. I am the king of old farts, man. I am. The <laughs> now, you know, with the bunny and the blade, you know that there was a picture of uh, Jerry the King Lawler in a pink bunny uh, outfit. <laughs> now, oh, man. he could be. <laughs> the butcher of the bunny and the blade. Oh, oh, I can see Jerry like that. But uh, now let me let me take you back years and years ago, okay? Because okay. I'm an old man and oh, I have old go. man yes. memories. Oh, here we I go. was watching we go. Memphis Wrestling WMC Channel Five uh -huh. Wrestling when a young tag team was introduced, and it was none other than Sting and Jim. Uh, was what's what was the Ultimate Warrior's last name? 
I don't know. He was just go. He went by Warrior. Not not that's when all I not, know. It, no, it, I, when they wrestled in Memphis, they they, they wrestled the as a, the Blade Runners. And the I Blade remember Runners. watching that very because I said, "Man, those guys are buff. You know, they're really big." Mm-hmm. And yeah. then I saw I saw the Ultimate Warrior uh, when he was still wrestling as in the Mid South area uh, go up mm-hmm. against Coco Beware when I was mm-hmm. uh, doing the ringside announcing in a Louisiana event. And uh, and at that time, Tommy Gilbert uh, was the referee, and Tommy Gilbert was yelling at uh, at at the Ultimate Warrior and Coco Beware because they were not putting out a good effort for that night. And no. man, he was <laughs> chewing them out inside the ring. Anyway, that's <laughs> that. Yeah, it was right. I was right. I mean, I was I could reach out and touch the ring. That's how close I was. And then Ooh. I actually had Ted DiBiase Sr. fall out of the ring. And when he got up, he stepped on my hand. Ouch. Yeah, that hurt. <laughs> and that then, then also at that very event, uh, there was a young tag team with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty that were there. And they got thrown into the uh, barrier by the Freebirds without Michael Hayes. And it mm-hmm. kind of kind of whipped back towards me. And that steel uh-huh. bar hit me right between the shoulder blades. And I, I had a huge bruise on my back the next day. So I, I've taken I've no. taken some bumps, baby. I'm a tough man. I'm a bad man. I'm so bad I scare myself. <laughs> but anyway. Well, I'll tell you what, now that we now that we figured out how how old actual retail price on him. Uh-huh. Uh now we've now we've had to have uh we went into war games, didn't we? Oh, War, war ga- games. NXT War Games Sunday night. Honestly, I can find very little to say bad about that entire show. Now they had yeah. five matches, mm-hmm. but and they had plenty of time to set it up. That was the big difference to me. There was set up to all the different matches. The one that didn't have the big setup was one of the best matches of the night. Tomasa Champa against Timothy Thatcher. They only had like a couple of weeks to set that up. It was a barn burner. The women's war game match was incredible. The men's yes, war game match was, was uh, honestly one of the Good best two-hour shows I've ever seen. That swanton bomb from the top of the cage, and nobody was there to catch him, and you know when he hit, all his air left his body right there. <laughs> I couldn't help it. Even I cringed and went, I that wasn't good. And, you know, no, McAvee has, has a, a show uh, that he does. Uh, it's a video show where he interviews people. And he, he was uh, selling it that he he had a, a neck brace on when he was on his show on Monday and Tuesday. So, you know. Oh, good. But there were, there were some injuries there. We got we got to say. Uh, Johnny yeah. Gargano had a really bad split lip. Timothy mm-hmm. Thatcher's ear looked like it was hamburger meat. He got kicked oh in the gosh. ear. And then uh-huh. uh, Candice LeRae evidently has a broken her arm. And, yep. And Orny yep. Larkin also had face lacerations and some uh, pretty yep. bad and bumps and bruises. And I haven't heard anything uh-huh. about the, uh, Bobby Fish. I, I read someplace that he might have been injured pretty bad. But I haven't been able to find out exactly what it is. Uh, they just war said games never, war games never ceases to you know they don't disappoint on war games. That was the perfect matches. It was good. Now I could have I could have used a championship match with uh, Finn Balor, but he's still 
I don't know when he's supposed to be making his comeback. He'll come he, back this week, Wednesday night. He'll be there Wednesday night. Okay. And he's, now, he's Killer, been, Cross, he, he, yeah, Killer Cross is going to be coming back too. So okay, that you know that's that's going to be the big one. But I was kind of surprised. I'm going to just say this: the one thing that really surprised me about War Games was uh-huh. that the Undisputed Era won. Because they've been oh, yeah. really building up Pac McAvee. And he's done oh, yes, a great job. I mean, honestly, he's for no more experience than he has, he can do uh-huh. the mic and he does certain moves and he he can hold his own for yep. as little training as he's had. But I thought that they would take him a little bit farther before he had him lose at this time. I don't know where it's gonna go, but Pat McAvee, hats off to you. You are obnoxious when you grab oh, hold yes. of He reminds me of James E. Cornette. I want to kick uh-huh. him right in his gonads, you know. Oh, um, my gosh. But, you know, that's what Cornette did. He was yep. so obnoxious, he, and I oh, bet yeah. that he studied Cornette. So, well, he had to study somebody for me, the Cornette or Bobby Heenan or yeah, somebody Heenan, like yeah. that. that uh, Bobby Heenan uh, was one of the, the best heel managers, one of all time, uh, Jim Cornette, same way. But uh, that guy right there, yeah, he can get under your skin within about five or ten seconds, and you just want to take a, a steel bar and just hit him over the head about four or five times. But, no, I mean, he did real well in the, in the steel cage. I thought it was good. War Games never ceases to do, uh, to not give you what you want. and It's wow. perfect. I loved it. And hats off to NXT. You stole the show again. You so, know, top that. I have not seen – an NXT takeover that wasn't enjoyable. Yeah. And I cannot say that about WrestleManias or mm-hmm. other pay-per-view events. Now, we talked about this last time. The WWE's last few pay-per-view events have actually been pretty good. Oh, yeah. They're not excellent. But they've had some stinkers out there. Woo! Oh, they've had a real bad one. And... I mean, now now that uh, even AEW is going to go overseas, love it. They're going to try. They're going to try their little hand in it. Oh, I hope it works for them. I do. I hope so they're too. Try to do. It. I hope it. I hope it works. But uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a year of uh, controversy. It's been a year of uh, an epidemic, oh. and so I mean, it's it's not getting any better with this pandemic that's going on and. People are, uh, I know one thing, I'll never want to take that COVID-19 swab ever again. I, had, <laughs> I was in the hospital. I, I felt like she was about to go to my brainstem when she shoved that swab. She goes, I'm so sorry I have to do this. Uh-huh. I thought she was going to javel it across the room. I don't, th- I don't, th- so, I, I'm going to say something very gross here. I don't, I don't think that, that that could be any more invasive than a prostate exam. And I'll take the prostate exam today. <laughs> I'll take the prostate exam that, today. Yeah, I, I actually have had that test twice, once because of a surgery and then once when I got ill. Uh, yeah, I've had that done twice so far. And, and we both know people that do have COVID-19. A lot of my coworkers at the radio station have. Most of them have recovered well. Uh, a, a real good personal friend of mine that uh, I know and just love this guy, uh, just like He's a father figure to me. Uh, he just recently got out of the hospital, and I, I messaged with him the other day. 
It's serious stuff, guys, and I'm hoping that it won't get worse before it gets better. But the good news is it looks like the vaccine is going to be getting out to the people who need it. First off, the healthcare workers, frontline workers, and I would include you since you're working at the hospital and security. I'm hoping you can get it very, very soon. We've got over 53 in the hospital right now, probably more since I left. I've, uh, I came down with a little bit of a diverticulitis. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, when you go to Buffalo Wild Wings, don't get the hottest sauce they have, please. You love, the hot, you love that hot food, don't you? I love that hot food, but now the hot food doesn't love me. Oh. So no more, no more, no more, no more hot stuff. Yep. I can't, uh, can't take it anymore. I'm not as young as I used to be, but uh, join the club, yeah. brother. So it is what it is. But it was a great show today. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to touch on? Well, quickly, I just want to touch on one thing. We're getting ready for uh-huh. our year-end show, and of course, on the year-end show, we always have a blooper segment. That's where the, the little <laughs> segment that we put at the end of each one of our shows, and we put them together. And it's some of the weird things we say or do or we mess up. and uh-huh. It's just a lot of fun. That'll be part of it. But I'm planning on trying to get you and I and also Zane together on the phone so we can talk about specific things in the world of professional wrestling that happened in the year 2020. And we're going to talk yes. about we'll talk about the pandemic. We'll talk about what mm-hmm. we liked, what we didn't like. And we encourage those that are on our Facebook page, hey, join in right now. Tell us maybe what your favorite match was or who was your favorite performer, the breakout performer of the year. We'll put some of this on the Facebook page over the next couple of weeks, and then uh, we'll we'll talk about it in our next uh, podcast, which should be right after Christmas time. Yes, we, we need to put up the Zane symbol in the sky to see if we can bring him out of his cave. Bring him back to the see. fold. We got to bring yes. him back, brothers and sisters. Yes, yes, we got. Let let let's send up the Z symbol up in the sky <laughs> so we can see have have our Batman or whoever the, he wants to be. Maybe we can have. Oh, he to be the Macho Man here. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll you know, putting up a slim. He does. He like does a great uh-huh. Macho Man impression. I mean, he really knocks it out of the park. I. <laughs> So uh, yeah, we'll we'll do that before the right around the end of the year. It's always a fun show. And Chris, I hope you're doing well from your, your illness. And when you you put on that you were in the emergency room on Facebook, scared the you know what out of me, Brand. You know I've known you since I'll you were a baby. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, believe me, it's been a uh, very. Uh, it wasn't too uh, too. wasn't fun at all having to do all that. But uh, when your body says it's had enough, it's had enough. Oh, so my body says that take, every morning. Yeah, yeah I do too. Snap, yeah. crackle, and pop. Everybody, please take care of one another. Please wear your mask and social distance. Wash your hands. And uh, don't take this not seriously because it is. And I've seen it firsthand. We've all seen it. This stuff is nothing to play with. No, it's not. So, so. Well, nope. t- you take care of yourself and have fun if all you're right. going back to work tonight, right? Thank you, Chris. It's always good to talk a little professional wrestling with the original trash head. James Christopher Evans. And uh, by the way, uh, Chris did lose an uncle this past week also. So our condolences to uh, Chris Evans and his family uh, tightly clied into my family because we are uh, relatives. And coming up next, it's the former co-host of Turnbuckle Trash for years, Ajay Salveson, coming back to talk some trash next. This is Turnbuckle Trash. 
Zane Peterson. You're the greatest guy in the whole galaxy. Yeah, I'm a real class act. Now we'll get tonight. Ajay Salveson. The juice is loose. 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 Dave Denton. Man, he don't want no bread. He don't want no salad. All he wants is meat. It's time to take out the trash. Let's show him what we got, guys. This is Turnbuckle Trash. Yes, we have been trying and trying and trying to get time together to talk about professional wrestling with former co-host of Turnbuckle Trash, Ajay Salveson. Juice, thank you for coming back home with us to talk about professional wrestling. Hey, glad to be back, man. It's been a while. Uh, first off, I want to give you a little plug because you're doing a great job on uh, one of the uh, sister stations in the group that I work with called The Fan. You do a program every day. It's all about sports with Eric France. And talk, tell us about the program and how people can uh, follow you on that. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a two-hour sports show that we do here in Cache Valley, Logan, Utah. Um, it's, uh, it runs from 4 to 6 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, Monday through Friday. And uh, people can find it, uh, you know, on, if they're local, then 106 on FM, 1390 AM. Or if they're Outside of the range, then it's uh, we have an app, and it's the 106 on the Fan app uh, where they can find the podcast, interviews, and they can text into the show live, which is pretty cool. Uh, or uh, we uh, have 106onthefan.com where we stream online, and so there's a, there's a ton of different ways to find us. But And social media for you, Juice, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I hate social media, man. I wish I could get rid of it. <laughs> Me uh, too. I, I hate it. So, but you can find me on Twitter. Um, my Twitter handle is at AJ Salvi. Uh, I'm on Instagram. It's uh, AJ Salveson 22. And so, yeah, that, those are the two ways to find me. Uh, I, I, again, I hate, I hate social media, but I, because of my job and what I do, I'm forced to be on there. And you know what? If it's done right, uh, I would say that I enjoy it. Uh, to a point uh, that when it's done right, but when it gets uh, hurtful and when it gets people uh, uh, bullying and when people just are jerks, you know, for because somebody has a different opinion, that's when I ignore them. I honestly, I could not tell you the people that I just I look at it and I just kind of see what they're saying. I just go past it. So I think that's where people are going to have to get with social media because there's always going to be somebody out there that wants to stir the pot. That's just human nature. So keep it light, keep it up-tempo, and keep it bright. That's what we love about our social media on Turnbuckle Trash on Facebook, by the way. Uh, Juice, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, before we get into professional wrestling. Uh, Recently, I think it was around September, if I'm not mistaken, I had a basketball coach on with me for the Utah State Aggies. He's the head coach. He's Craig Smith. Uh, a, a belt for his team uh, during the week for hustle and, and during the game time for hustle and doing that extra effort. And he gives that person that award every week, and it's a wrestling belt. Before we get into a little bit with Coach Smith, I wanted to ask you, because I know he tested positive for COVID-19, uh, what do you know about his health at this time? He's fine. He'll good. be good to go for uh, the next game coming up. Uh... And you know it goes from from day to day, from hour to hour, as we found out in the sports world altogether. I remind people, I do this a lot on the on the podcast, 
that one of the final big events that took place back in March was actually here in Salt Lake City when AEW had a, a show at uh, the Maverick Center. That was the same night that Rudy, um, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell came out that they had been tested positive, and Rudy was actually sick at the time. And the NBA started taking, you know, taking down their, uh, taking down their season. But in the same time in Salt Lake City, they were doing a nationwide broadcast from All Elite Wrestling, which our friends uh, Manny Smith, Manny Lemons, and Rekha Tahaka were both on that show as ambulance uh, personnel. So they were involved in one of the big last big events that took place. What do you remember about that time when we started this pandemic? And with all the stuff coming out, and not necessarily in professional wrestling, but you as a sportscaster, and a very good one at that, by the way, uh, what do you remember about that time and how just unreal it was? So I was in Las Vegas for the Mountain West Conference Tournament, and if anybody remembers, the Mountain West Conference Tournament was a week earlier than all the other tournaments, which was really, really odd. But because the Mountain West Conference was late in getting into the into scheduling the Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, uh, the Thomas and Mack Center already had a convention scheduled that he, the original week of, like, again, all, all the rest of the conference tournaments. And so we were going to have to be a week early. The other kicker to it is that for the Utah State Aggies, is they were on the bubble. They had just lost to New Mexico by 15. And a lot of analysis or bracketology experts have said, that Utah State would at least have to make it to the conference championship game if they wanted to be in the tournament. But even if they made it to the conference championship game, that wouldn't guarantee a spot into the 68-team tournament that they'd probably have to win it to guarantee themselves a spot. So there was this whole conversation that not only if they get to the conference championship game and lose, but then they'd have to sit seven whole entire days, and actually, no, excuse me, eight days, and waited out to see if they were going to be in the tournament. Because, again, they were one week earlier than everybody else. Mm -hmm. So, of course, we go into this conference tournament, three games and three nights. It was probably one of the most historic runs I've ever seen by a single player. That would be Sam Merrill, who just became the uh, 60th and final draft pick in the NBA for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, as he put on an absolute show against New Mexico, Wyoming, and then, of course, the number one ranked team in the country, San Diego State, who had had one loss the entire year. Um, so we had that tournament, and we won it. And then the following Tuesday, there was supposed to be a celebration party that I was uh, supposed to help out with on a, I think it was a Tuesday. And I got a text on Monday saying, uh, hey, the party's off. And I said, why? And they said, because of the COVID-19. Coming back from our show, the Full Court Press, and I was getting ready to listen. I was listening to David Locke and the Utah Jazz, and they were pregame. The turn of events of it came through that uh, teams were on the court, then it walked out. Rudy Gobert was not available. Uh, there, uh, like there were two. I don't know if they're building uh, people like in charge of the building or who they were, but they came onto the court, talked to the officials. The officials left the court, and then that's right. when you kind of knew things went south. Right. And, uh, and anyways, and of course, as you mentioned, Donald Mitchell and Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus. The game had been uh, postponed. And that's just when things just started spinning out of control. And then all of a sudden you saw so those tournaments that were in the original week, they got to, like, the semifinal. 
and then they'd be canceled. So the Mountain West Conference tournament was the only one to be finished, and it was the, in the only the only set of basketball games or tournament games that was being played in that week. I mean, it was just weird how everything worked out for the Aggies. But uh, yeah, like you said, it just kind of stunned everybody and uh, took us all off guard. And uh, we were supposed to go to you know for the NCAA tournament. There's a couple of cities we were hearing, and then it just never came through. And then sports was was sports was gone for five or whatever a month. I mean, David, it was incredible. It was it was uh, I think a very like you said incredible time, but also a scary time. And I actually talked to Coach Smith about that uh, in the interview. And I'm going to play a little portion about that tournament uh, that he talked about and that great performance by Sam on there. We'll play that right now, okay, Juice? And then, like you said, uh, Sam Merrill was the 60th pick, the last pick uh, in the NBA draft. I think originally he was – who was he originally drafted by, and then there was a trade involved? So the New Orleans Pelicans had a pick. Okay. But they traded it to the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, the funny thing is is that there was a team at the at the uh, 52nd pick, no, at the 44th pick, who had said, hey, we have some interest in you. Um you know, there's a chance that we'll be, uh, you know, that will maybe sign you to like a two-way contract, and which was fine. And then obviously that never really ended up happening because the Bucks traded or were able to trade away, uh, you know, a, a player and mm-hmm. and get the 60th pick. And again, they drafted Sam Merrill, and uh, it was cool to see Sam in a Bucks uniform. I, I had a chance to watch his first preseason game, and uh, he played only seven minutes, but man, he looks good. And yeah. uh, it's, it's always cool to see those Aggies succeed. So, and, and, and by the way, just speaking of Craig Smith, if I may, um, okay, so that guy is as passionate as it all, as I'll get out. Oh, like yeah. His love for wrestling, I, I'm telling you what, it is still as, as uh, raw and as real as it gets. He loves talking about Hawk and Animal. <laughs> Daddy, though. <laughs> he, loves, he loves Hawk and Animal. He talks about him constantly. Uh, you talked about the bet, uh, the belt. It's the Gata belt, G A T A, which means get after there, you know what. And the belt gets passed around every week after uh, a series of games, and the player who's earned that belt by either taking charges, hustle play uh, that uh, that led on to uh, maybe a spurt of a run, uh, and that belt still exists and is still being used uh, to this point. So. Yeah, he's a big, big wrestling fan. Uh, we've actually had conversations off air, of course, after our press conferences about wrestling, and it, it's a lot of fun. Well, you know what? I'm going to play a little bit about uh, the Gata belt that you talked about from Coach Smith in that uh, that interview I did with him. And the thing I thought was really interesting about this part was it wasn't just a game belt. It was also it also involves the practices and how people. Uh, practice. So let's listen to that portion from the interview with Coach Craig Smith at Utah State Aggies that was uh, conducted on Temporal Trash earlier this year. In a wrestling arena, there's so much uh, pomp and circumstance. You, you knew the champions when they're walking in with that huge belt. You said we have to have a Road Warrior mentality. And, and the Road Warriors were my favorite. Well, the Road Warriors and Hulk Hogan. So depending on if you want a single wrestler or a tag team. Uh, but uh, I just always loved how they'd come flying into that gym and they'd have the football pads on with the, those studs coming out. And it's just a mentality. 
And, um, and our guys bought into that, and we had tremendous success on the road. And, you know, there's so many things we can't do. We can't go on the road and recruit. We can't go and get put FaceTime in. I can't, we can't go and meet, you know, a prospect's mom and dad and sit down in their living room as of right now. Um, and we can't be on the road evaluating. Normally there would be AAU tournaments going on. Normally here. And Juice, you're right, man. When you get that man talking about professional wrestling, he gets all excited. You can tell a very passionate man, not only about his basketball team, but the personal lives of those basketball players. And that's one of the things that I admire about Coach Smith. I have never met him personally, just did that one interview with him. And, uh, I, I, you know, we're probably brothers from another mother, the way we talk about professional wrestling juice. He's an incredible he's as, man. Yeah, he is. He's as genuine as it gets. And then, and that's hard to find in the, in the college basketball luxury world. And especially for a guy who's had success immediately after he's what he's done. And, um, he, again, he's as genuine of a man who you talk to on the phone is who he is off the phone. Yeah. Uh, just an incredible guy, hell of a coach. Uh, but a big, big wrestling. Fan. I love talking wrestling with him. We've we've had discussions about our favorite WrestleManias and such. And of course, yeah. your interview with him, David, was just so good. It was it was so much fun to listen to. Well, uh, I got a good laugh out of it. Uh, so let's let's get into the world of uh, what we talk about more more often than basketball. Uh, but it was a fascinating interview, by the way. Uh, let's talk more about professional wrestling. As uh, you are, you've been a big fan. For all your life, have you been able to follow much during the pandemic? I know you, of all people, have been very busy with trying to keep up with what's going on. Yeah, I've been able to follow up. I, I and I, I, I'm still a big wrestling guy. I, I still am a huge wrestling guy. So absolutely, I, I still check in. Uh, I, I've I've loved what they do. I you know, and I'm kind of starting to get in a little bit more to AEW with with Chris Jericho, Cody Rhodes. Uh, the storylines are legit. I was, I didn't like the Mike Tyson thing. No. Because I felt like it was a copycat of what WrestleMania, I believe, 14 was. And the thing I didn't like about the Mike Tyson thing with Jericho, and, and like I've said many times, AEW is very, very good, but they do stub their toes. And that might have been a stub your toe because there was no follow through. It was just a one time, basically. And I've heard Jericho mention it once or twice more. But th- th- there was no follow-up from that little altercation in the ring, which I think was a mistake. No, I, I agree. You know, I, I feel like Mike Tyson, he, I, back in 19, you knew, you know this, Dave, just as well as I do. Man, Mike Tyson in the mid-90s was the biggest showcase in sports. Oof. When the guy walked out into the ring, the whole entire world would watch Mike Tyson. Right. So, as Vince McMahon, in fact, crazy enough, Dave, I actually went back and watched the press conference when Mike Tyson, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Shawn and China were on one side, and uh, <laughs> and Stone Cold was on the other. Yeah. And and and, and Dave, I'm getting chills thinking about this man because then, do you remember the um, there was that whole press conference right, which was pretty good in itself, but the the when Vince McMahon was going to make the announcement inside the ring on a Monday night Raw's war and uh, he had Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson has whole posse out there and uh, and then he's about to make some big announcement and then all of a sudden you hear the the, the sound of uh, shattering glass and Stone Cold comes out do you remember this oh and, man I was and, watching it dude and, and, and Stone Cold comes out and says you know this is my ring this is my house 
and you're and you got your eyes on the toughest SLB, and then all of a sudden there's this big brawl. Ratings skyrocketed because it was Mike Tyson. It was Raw is War, and everybody wanted to see it because no one had ever seen something like that before. Right. And uh, and it just and now you're talking about I mean an older Mike Tyson, AEW. The storyline's not as sweet. The, the the name Mike Tyson isn't as big. Um, it's different, and it's harder to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, have you been able to watch much of the WWE with how they've handled not having the audience with the Thunderdome? Yes, I have. Uh, I uh, should I say Thunderdome? <laughs> not a big fan of it. Yeah. I mean, is that okay to say? I, I'm not a big fan of it. Oh, I'm not either, so. But you know, I I will I will give them this, and I, I said this with Chris on the, the on the on the podcast. Give them credit for trying something different, trying to to make uh, the best out of just an unprecedented situation. But I thought the AEW people handled it a little bit better because they still had the big arena. They still had well, not a big arena. They had their other wrestlers. Their their uh, their lower card wrestlers around the w- ringside, and they were providing some of that crowd noise and some of that uh, live reaction that's missing from the Thunderdome. I mean, I was watching, uh, let's see, was it Friday night, SmackDown, and they had the Thunderdome, and they've moved it to Tampa now. But there was a guy actually on on one of those screens that was sitting there without his shirt on, and he was about as big as me. And, you know, I don't have one of those bodies that you want to see. And then they switch from him uh, in background. And then they have a closer shot of another doofus who's sitting there making faces with his mouth. going, uh, uh, You know, pulling like a fish hook <laughs> and pulling faces. And then they had <laughs> the one cute one was like a little boy. Uh, probably around three years old, and he's probably being coached by his parents. But boy, was he excited every time one of the wrestlers would make a move, who would be jumping up and down and screaming. And, uh, you know, but it's so inconsistent. And then that piped in crowd noise, it sounds like white noise. If you listen to it real closely, it just goes, and then they'll <laughs> pipe in. I just don't like it. That's That's me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I like to, I just like a real crowd, and I know we're we're in the middle of a pandemic, but a real crowd changes everything. It does. I mean, everything. Well, you've so been you've been to I'm a couple of matches, and and there and I, we've talked with Zane about it. We've talked with Chris about it, and we've talked with Manny Lemons from All Elite Wrestling about it, and and how different it is to be at a live event than watching it on TV or on pay per view. There is just nothing like a live event of professional wrestling. No, no, nothing even close to that. But I've never been to a WrestleMania. I, I would have loved to go back and watch WrestleMania, um, whether it was, you know, Michaels and Austin, Taker and Kane, uh, Foley and Taker. I just, I would have loved to go back and just see the atmosphere watching the maps like that. Now, I know you're a big Undertaker fan. Mm-hmm. Have you been able to follow uh, the the last part of his career, yep. uh, seeing that AJ Styles match, the last ride, and then I don't, I I'm not sure because I haven't talked to you about this before, but if you if you have the our access to the WWE Network, 
there is like hours of documentary of people talking about The Undertaker. The Undertaker talking about his career. That has been fascinating over the last few months. And what are your thoughts about The Undertaker saying, this is it, he's done? Um, yeah, you know, I, I think some people hang on for too long because they don't know what to do after, right? Um, this one's tough because, I, like you said, I've, I've been a diehard Taker fan. My first wrestling match I ever saw was Taker versus Jake the Snake. Um, and, I mean, that was the very first match I ever saw, and I fell in love with him. Taker fell in love with him. Fell in love with the character, the quietness, the mysteriousness. Um, I and, – and for what he's done over his career, he created a streak that every sport in the world was talking about. He created – this this mantra of him and then he played different roles like he went from the undertaker to this evil villain which people continue to love Mm -hmm. to the american badass i love the american badass i do uh, yeah we all do it to back to the undertaker but a a more uh modern version of him and he was able to every decade fit in just fine and make something of it and that that's Uh, an incredible career man it's yeah it's amazing and i i can't tell you enough like he's done for the wrestling world. I mean, when like you listen to interviews, like when uh, Steve Austin quit and he came back, he said the first person he approached was The Undertaker. When Shawn Michaels had the Montreal screw job and he had to go back to Mr. Man, and he, he said the first person he wanted to talk to was The Undertaker. When Bret Hart had his little showboating incident in, in his, the uh, latter career of his time at WWF, the first round, he went back to The Undertaker to talk to him. Everybody wanted to go back to the Undertaker and talk to him, and and that tells you the career that he had and and who he was. And I just can't say enough about the greatest to ever do it, ever the greatest. Uh, you know, going back to college sports, every time I'm watching our uh, watching a college football game, and there will be like a defensive stand coming up, and you'll hear the bong. Mm-hmm. I, I every time I think of the Undertaker, I it, and it never fails. I when I was actually doing the uh, the the in stadium announcing for the Utah State Aggie football team, they would do the same thing, and I wanted to get on there and say, "Is the Undertaker around?" But it that's the the influence he's had not only on professional world but pop culture and also in the world of sports. Yeah, absolutely. Can yeah. can I be more impressed with him? I'm happy to, uh, I'm happy to uh, be able to see his career go as long as it has. And I'm happy that the WWE has has saluted him so much as they have. They actually, at the last pay per view, had an after show where they they uh, said goodbye to the Undertaker. And it what it couldn't have been as good as it would have been if it would have been for a live audience. But they have one segment. <coughs> Excuse me. They have one segment where the Undertaker was in the ring and he's about to end the, the show and he takes off his jacket and he gets down to that familiar pose where he's on one knee and he has the hand up. And then you see superimposed on the screen, Paul Bearer, and you hear mm-hmm. his voice saying, oh, the Undertaker. It literally, I mean, I'm a softie anyway, but I got a tear in my eye just from that because I know how close that uh, the Undertaker was to Paul Bearer and what a relationship Percy Pringle and Mark had outside of the ring. Uh, they were very dear friends, and 
that to me was an incredible thing for the WWE to do to mark how much Percy Pringle's career uh, helped out uh, Mark and The Undertaker. It, it was it was really nice. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. So have you been able to follow current storylines very much? And if you have, what are some of your favorites? Uh, interestingly enough, the Randy Orton Bray Wyatt story was really good. I oh. thought that was well done. Oh, isn't it though? I got um, I, I got to tell you, I have because um, my wife has done that for me. She's bought me a Bray Wyatt as the Bray Wyatt character with the you know the sweater on, and also I I have a a, a fiend with the little. Uh, lamp. I have that. And then she surprised me with one of the face coverings that has Yowie Wowie on it and Bray Wyatt's face on it. I am a big fan. The whole look of the the fame has really drawn a great reaction from the crowd every single time. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of of the fame. Uh, I think Randy Orton's character and the way he's played that role, I just think the way that they've kind of topsy-turvied the, the momentum both ways has been good as well. Uh, I, have you ever have you had a chance to follow anything that's going on with Roman Reigns on SmackDown? Yeah, yeah, actually uh, a, a little bit. Um, in, intrigued, mm-hmm. I, I think is the right word to use. But again, it's all about being consistent, right? It's all about making sure that wh- whatever you're going to do is consistent and not to as soon as like don't let it go dry. Uh-huh. Make sure that you keep up, and then you keep it. Uh, I don't know if the correct word is moist, mm-hmm. <laughs> but don't let it dry up. And uh-huh. I think if you could do that with his role and his character, I think you'd be all right. Now I'm going to ask you about the Miz. Uh, oh, what do you? What are your thoughts on Mike Mazanic, the Miz? Oh, jeez. <laughs> are you a fan of his or not? No. <laughs> okay, so okay, well, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me rephrase. Okay. I loved The Miz when he first started uh-huh. because it was just this character who was hated, but he was jealous and he would use revenge instead of justice to get back at you. I just feel like we don't see that anymore. Uh, I, I miss the old Miz. Correct! Well, he's doing this this little bit right now with John Morrison as his tag team partner. And uh, he took the money in the bank contract uh, from Otis. And I'm, I'm going to tie this all together. Uh, but uh, I'm kind of liking this incarnation with him and jo- John Morrison. But you made an interesting point about uh, Roman Reigns, about not letting it grow dry. And I think the WWE did let something go dry recently. And that is with Otis. Now, he was a member of Heavy Machinery. And they had him win the money in the bank contract. And then through some I, some reason, I don't know, uh, but the Miz took him to court and John Bra- Bradshaw Lakeville was the judge. And, and then uh, the Miz now has the contract. And Otis's character is still fairly strong, but boy, his heat has gone from red hot as being the the holder of the money in the bank contract to now hardly anything. Well, yeah. I, and by the way, my lovely wife, Teresa is an Otis fan. She has something to say. So here's my lovely wife, Teresa. Well, Miz's issue was that Otis didn't try to cash it in. for. Her. Oh, so, so Miz wanted some action. 
<laughs> Don't we all want some action? I, I was only serious. Oh, calm oh, down. Oh, it's supposed to be a family God. show, huh? We're all grounded. Yeah, but you know, honestly, they let they let Otis just kind of dangle in the wind with that money in the bank contract, and they let the Miz thing. And now comes word. I don't know if you follow this or not, but uh, on Thursday or Friday this past week, there's this big thing coming out that Vincent Kennedy McMahon is upset with some of the performers on the main roster. One of those is Otis, and the other is Keith Lee, and he's actually sent them back to the Performance Center to get uh, some more training. And I honestly, I don't see it. Now, I'm not a professional wrestler. I am a fan, and that's what I always say. But I enjoy Otis's work in the ring, and I enjoy Keith Lee's uh, work in the ring. Both are big men, big, strong men. Maybe they work a little stiff at times. I, I don't know what, what the problem is, but I, I when you mentioned the thing about letting it go dry, I, all I could see was, yeah, they, they let storylines go very dry like Otis, and I just don't like it. Yeah, I'm with you. I, mm-hmm. Again, it's just it, it's not going dry. Keep it moist. Keep something, uh, you know, just bring something fresh with it every single week. I mean, it's something that could be impossible to do, but it's not. So uh, with the, the professional wrestling pandemic that's going on right now, uh, the, everyone is having their, their shows with either limited audience or no audience at all. With the recent news of the vaccine, and I'm, I'm getting into stuff that we really don't know about, so I'm just going to say, do you think it's time now to start thinking about bringing back live audiences to live events, not just professional wrestling, but everything? As the pandemic and the vaccine, once again, I'm going to say the vaccine as it gets more prevalent into the communities. After the vaccine becomes something that we know that it's going to uh, take care of this pan- pandemic and get rid of this COVID, until then, no fans. You know what? I got to agree with you, man. I got to agree with you, man. Uh, AEW does have a limited amount of fans now coming to their events, but as they show the the crowd, they all have their mask on and they're all in social distancing, just small groups of family members. And they're spread over this arena that probably looks like it holds about 5,000 people or so, or maybe even less. Uh, I can understand that, but boy, when you get into, especially now the basketball season being indoors, it still scares me to death, man. Yeah, uh, again, I just don't think it's – until we get a vaccine that goes through, then we need to keep ourselves uh, keep ourselves away and, and be smart with the situation. The former host of uh, – the co-host, I should say, of Turnbuckle Trash and one of my dear friends, uh, Ajay Salveson. Juice, once again, how can they follow you on your radio program in uh, Cache Valley? Uh, you can just stream 106andthefan.com or we have an app of the V106andthefan.com. Uh, mobile app. Uh, you can find all our stuff there. All right, and Juice, I, I won't, uh, I won't, I won't play the whole segment again. But sometime I'm going to have to play your segment where you met uh, not only the Big Show but also Sheamus, and that, that's one of my favorite things we've ever done on Turnbuckle Trash. And I, I, oh, the heck, I'm going to play it. I'm, I'm going to play it. You actually were at the Energy Solutions Arena doing your job where you work for a radio station in Salt Lake City. You were doing your job there, and there was a wrestling event, and you actually got to meet some of the guys from the WWE, right? Talk about the WWE gods looking out for me. So I was supposed to do a game that night, and yeah, it was a home game that night, and uh, 
and it rained. It poured that night, absolutely poured. But instead of like calling, and the game was on TV that night too. So instead of like postponing the game, they waited like an hour and a half to see if this was going to work, if the rain would stop. So they waited for an hour and 40, no, 53 minutes. So about 9 o'clock, they finally called it. And I had actually been in and out of the, you know, from the studio, and I, I would go and sit in the arena and watch the matches happen. The crowd was great there, by the way. So anyways, they, they canceled the, well, they canceled our game. We call it. And so I play stupid. Now we have a clock out station on the main entrance before that we can clock out, and that would have been the easiest for me to go do, to clock out and go walk to the lot. Instead, I play stupid. And I take the elevator all the way to the basement floor to where the WWE superstars are walking back. And I knew fully well what I was doing. Uh-huh. So I pretend like I'm lost. And I'm like, oh, Mr. Security Guard, hey, I go clock out over here, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, I just go down this hallway this way. I, I played stupid the whole time, knew full well what I was doing. So I walk across. I get freaking startled because how walks Seamus just right across from me, the shark. Oh. And it really was like a shark because he startled the crap out of me. <laughs> Stop, and I kind of look at him. He doesn't even skip a step. He kind of looks at me and goes, in his accent, what's up, bro? And I was like, Seamus, uh, looking good, man. Look, looking really good. He is a creepy guy up close and personal in that. And just like his underwear and boots, and he's tall, the mohawk scared well, me to death. Let me just say, let me just say this. Uh, you are of uh, the country of India, right? The yes, set. yes. I don't uh, India Pakistan. Anyway, you have a dark skin. Yeah. And Seamus is the human jar of mayonnaise. Oh man, yeah. Put it together, it's night and day. Literally, oh, night man. and day. That's unreal. So, and so I walk across the end. I, I get startled, nearly crap my pants. Um, go change my diaper and then go back out. And I start walking across the hallway. And I look up. I was looking down on the ground. I look up, and there's this big seven foot two guy there, slowly, and I mean slowly walking. The key is, is when you're walking around these kind of places with these kind of people, you have to pretend like you belong there. Right. You have to pretend like you actually are supposed to be there. Because if you're not, people are going to get creeped out, suspicious, and a little scared of you, and they might even kick you out. So right. I was like, hey, what's up, Big Show? And he, <laughs> he kind of scared me because he stops. And, I mean, it took him for, like, what seemed like eternity to turn around. And I keep walking towards him, and I was like, hey, listen. You're a great man in the ring, but you're a better man outside of the ring, and I want you to know that. And he puts his freaking Godzilla-sized paw on my left shoulder <laughs> and uh, and looks at me, and he goes, he kind of laughs and says, thanks. And uh, I'm like, you doing all right? And he's like, I'm just a little sore. Oh. And uh, then as I'm walking back the other way, except for, again, I'm pretending like I'm lost, but I turn around, go back the other way, and I uh, see a man on his phone. And I was like, our truth, what's up, man? He turns around and goes, hey, what's up, brother? And I was like, so uh, we start talking for just a little bit. I was like, how are you doing? And he's like, good. I'm like, are you feeling all right? And he goes, oh, a little sore, but I'm fine. So I said, hey, you guys are probably flying out tonight. Where are you headed to? And he goes, Pensacola, Florida. Whoa. So That's they're in Utah flight. tonight. And that same night, they're traveling to Pensacola, Florida. Whoa. And I was like, man, how do you guys do it? I mean, really. And he stops and he kind of looks at me. I'm like, how do you guys do it? And uh, he says, it's just part of the grind, man. It's just part of the grind. <laughs> I said, well, thank you for doing it for us, because I, I know you probably don't get much appreciation. And I was like, I don't want any autographs, because I think you kind of think, I was like, well, all right, when we sign, he's yeah. like, I'm like, I don't want any autographs. I just want to tell you thank you for what you do for the millions and millions of people who get to have the pleasure and watch you guys do what you do. Uh-huh. That, uh, and he said, that's 
probably the best compliment I could ever ask for. And, uh, and he uh, he shook my hand and put his hand on my shoulder and said, I appreciate you a lot and safe flight. And I walked away, and about five feet later, I look over, and I'm like, dog Zizzler, like, dog Zizzler, good to see you, bro. And I just keep walking. He kind of looks at me and goes, yeah, yeah. you too, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, as I walked by, I saw Kane laying on the ground getting stretched out. I mean, this is after a match, too. Uh. Um, and he's getting stretched out, and they're trying to figure out where he's in pain and such. These guys, I mean, for the WWE universe and for the turnbuckle trash fans and whoever else is listening to this, understand what these guys put themselves on the line. And walking down there, seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff with the riders and the wrestlers themselves, these guys go through a lot of work, and I don't think they get enough appreciation. But in the end, they, you know, I don't think they really do hear the fans say thank you for what you guys do. And uh, so from me to them and from all of us here on behalf of Turnbuckle Trash, the co-host Dave Zane and I and the rest of the listeners, you WWE wrestlers, uh, thank you for what you guys do. Um, Just got one question for you. Shoot. Now, we've already talked about you being of Indian descent. Yeah. And, and you're not a tall man. Wow, how tall no. are you? 5'2". Five 5'2". Two. Five two. Big show. 7'2". Did you come up to his hips? I know. I, I came up to his thigh, and I'm not even kidding you. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. Oh, I, wow. That's that's not an exaggeration. That's not a lie. I came, uh, I think, to the edge of his thigh, just below his hip. Because oh. I looked up. I mean, imagine us two standing towards you and facing you. I went up to barely, barely just below his hip. Wow. So, and I mean, he, I, I mean, really. And he's huge. I and mean, he put his hand, his right hand on my shoulder, and it covered my shoulder, his fingers went down to almost where my peck is. Oh, wow. That's, that's I mean, awesome. He's huge. Great, man. Really generous wrestlers to say hi to me. No, it was oh, great. It was fun. It was awesome. It was really cool to be down there and kind of see riders talking to wrestlers um, and, and kind of see how they interact with each other. So, Juice, you have yourself a Merry Christmas and your lovely wife, Nadine. Happy holidays. Uh, you've been a really good friend over the years, and I do appreciate your friendship, man. This is TurnbuckleTrash.net. Those guys look big and mean. I think they want to hurt us. What do you call that, a flying springboard knee to the face? Oh, that works. I like to hurt people. Pretending to wrestle is the most fun in the whole world. The thoughts and opinions heard on the preceding program are not necessarily those of an intelligent human being. If you don't agree with them, get your own dang pod. Dummy. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening, and in the immortal words of Ric Flair, Woo! This is what happened last week. Now this happened last week. And now this happened last week. And this has happened four weeks ago. Uh, uh, let me put it this way. Let's see which one screws the pooch. That's a good thing, brother. I thought that was well done. Yeah, right. And that Thunderdome would make anybody start drinking. Introduce the award-winning uh, Thunderdome, the Vince McMahon Award from Titan Sports to Thunderdome. Willy-nilly. You know, I don't want this blah, blah, blah. I don't care what Sting does, he's hot. The freshly squeezed has finally put her foot down and said Sting is hot. And... He's 61 yep. years old. 61. 61. He's safe. Oh, jeez. I, I don't think that... That, that could be any more invasive than a prostate exam. I'm getting chills thinking about this, man. 
And I'll take the prostate exam today. <laughs> I'll take the prostate exam today. Yeah, I... So, Ms. wanted some action. <laughs> Don't we all want some action? I, I was only serious. Oh, come on. Oh, it's supposed to be a family show, huh?